I get excited about when I hear missionaries, don't you all? I, I, I just am so thankful and grateful that we're just not missionary in word. A lot of people talk it, but they don't do anything, you know. And I'm so thankful that we really have an opportunity uh, not only to partner, but to be, to be challenged about what we're going to hear this morning. Uh, and I'm grateful and thankful. Uh, it's always kind of exciting to be involved with a family that's really close to almost going to the field. I mean, there's, uh, you know, about halfway through, there's kind of a, a weariness about them. But, uh, but we, we are excited because they're excited. And, and I believe that they want us to be excited with them. And so, and we'll do this by giving and praying and, and anticipating what God is going to do, realizing that every opportunity they have to share the gospel, men, we are partnering with that. And so I just encourage you, you know, to kind of, if you would kind of scoot up on your seats, kind of like anticipating this, getting ready, getting ready to hear this message. And, uh, and we're, we're looking forward and, and pray this, God, speak to me, or in my case, my wife, and uh, no, but she, I don't think she's at the service, is she? Oh, praise the Lord. And so, anyway, Brother Phil, come and talk to us, challenge us. Thank you so much. Well, and we are just excited to be here. You guys, as of right now, unless we get an invitation to pop into a mission conference in April or May, you're our very last mission conference. And, uh, and I do want you to know, we have had such a good time on deputation. I made a determination. A lot of folks, they look at deputation as this thing I've got to get through in order to get to the ministry that God has called me to, but this is the ministry God has called us to right now, and we have had such a great time because out of all the churches we've been in, there have only been four other churches that have ever had a missionary to Madagascar before, and so every church we've been in, we've been able to introduce a brand new field, which is just even uh, more exciting. We've had such a a great time on deputation, but as Pastor said, you know, we're kind of the end, and, and while even though we've had a good time, we're ready for that next stage of ministry, which is the language study stage, and so we just ask you to continue to, to pray for us. Uh, I appreciate you praying for Val. Uh, she got up here and saying she has, has been dealing with a cold for the past, uh, well, not necessarily a cold, but some sort of thing going on with her throat the past uh, several weeks, and, and has even taken antibiotics, and I don't know that that's uh, helped out, and so uh, I was so glad to see her get up and sing and be able to sing uh, this morning. And, and also, thank you so much for taking care of my boys. You know, there's not a lot of professions in this world that when dad goes to work, so does the wife and kids. And so for them to be recognized, uh, that just means it means a lot to them, but it also means uh, a lot to, to dad as, as well. And, uh, and, you know, I don't want you feeling sorry for missionary kids because while they do get to, to, they do miss out on some things that other kids get to do, they get to see and do a lot of things that nobody else gets to do. And, uh, and so, uh, and I have just personally been honored to be able to spend as much time with my boys and my daughter before we sent her off to college uh, over the past few years that a lot of folks... Uh, uh, that have to work nine to five, they don't get to spend the, the time with their kids that I've gotten to over this past uh, two years. So I'm just uh, thankful for that. But thank you so much for recognizing them. Listen, I want to make a statement. And uh, it might be a little shocking. 
But if you can, I just want you to, to hold off and hear me out because I'm going to explain myself. But one thing I think we can all agree on is this. Our world is in an absolute state of, of chaos. And a lot of folks, they, they go back and forth with what the problem is with our country. Some folks think it's, it's politics. And i got to be honest with you, uh, politics is a problem, but it's not the, pro- the main problem of our country. A lot of folks say, well, you know, if we, could fix, uh, if we could fix the education system, then that would fix the, the issue with our country. But I'm sorry to tell you that I don't believe, it's my opinion, that education, while it's a problem, it's not the problem of our country. A lot of folks say, well, it's the, the race relations. That's the problem with our country. And while I would agree that is a problem of our country, that's not the main problem of our country. Now, here's the statement I want to make. I believe the biggest problem in our country is the church. And the church's biggest problem is the fact that evangelism has almost all but died out. Matter of fact, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, let me see if I can uh, help you understand what I'm talking about by asking you a a few questions. First of all, and, and feel free to shout this out. We want to be interactive here this morning. But uh, the first question is, even though they're not open this morning, what is Chick-fil-A in the business of doing? They're making money. They're in the business of, they, they make a lot of money and they get a lot of my money, but they're in the business of making a chicken sandwich. Now, I know that there are other things on the menu and those things are are good and they do that with, uh, they, they try to, uh, shoot for perfection with this stuff, but they're in the business specifically of making a chicken sandwich. Now, uh, switching a little bit gears, what's Boeing in the business of doing? They're in the business of making airplanes in a, along that, that same line. Uh, what about uh, American, United, and Delta? What are they in the business of doing? Flying people. Matter of fact, if you've ever uh, wondered why uh, their airline food is not very good, it's because these places aren't in the restaurant business, they're in the flying people business. Now let me ask you this question. What business is the church in? Some of you might say, well, Pastor Phil, the church is not a business. And some of you might even go further and say, well, the church is the bride of Christ. It's a living organism. And to that I would say you're right. But just as every business has a purpose, so does the church. Jesus himself, in all four Gospels and in the book of Acts, gave the church its purpose. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, uh, Jesus told us to go and make disciples. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said to go into all the world and, and to preach the gospel. In Luke chapter 24, verse 47, Jesus said repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. John writes in the 20th chapter of his book, As my Father sent me, this is what Jesus said, As my Father has sent me, I also send you. And then in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, just before the resurrected Christ ascended up into heaven, he commanded us to be witnesses of him in all the earth. Uh, Jesus is telling us that the church is in the business of evangelizing the world. So again, I ask the question, what business is the church in? We're in, the, we're in the people business. We're in specifically the gospel-giving business. We should be in the business of evangelism. And friends, I want to tell you, the church shines brightest when it does so through evangelism. Now listen, 
I love the church here in America. However, all too often, while the church may be busy at work, in many cases, it has forgotten its primary purpose, which is evangelism. Now, some of you, I don't know if you, if you know much about me. Before I started deputation, I was the outreach pastor at Abundant Life Baptist Church up in Lee Summit, Missouri. That just, sits just outside of Kansas City. And so, uh, so evangelism was, was my job. And you know, one of the things that we had underneath my ministry was our food pantry. And you know, when the stock market crashed and the recession happened, I'm telling you, that food pantry was an awesome ministry. We would have people, professionals with master's degrees coming and sitting in front of our, our folks as we would share our faith with them. And the very first thing that would come out of their mouth when they put their face in their hands is, I never thought I'd be in a place like this. Today we have people that walk the halls of our church because we reach them through our food pantry. But, you know, after the recession... I mean, we've always had this food pantry, in my knowledge, and, and after the recession, uh, you know, uh, these people got on their feet and they got back to work just like, just like they wanted to be in the first place, but we've got some people that will use our food pantry probably as long as we have it. Uh, we get a lot of folks that get referred to our food pantry from a, a mental health facility in our town, and, and we're happy to serve there. And, and you know, I, I had often... Uh, heard a lot of time from our workers, from these folks that just continue to, whether it's if they suffer with mental stuff or some people, they just are in a cycle of making one poor decision after another. And some of our volunteers, they, they would get a little frustrated and they'd say, Phil, I just don't understand it. it. Should we continue to let these people come? Should, I mean, isn't it, don't we need to be good stewards? I love that. Don't we need to be good stewards of, of God's resources? And and, and, you know, they'd get, they'd get, really, they'd get upset because our folks, they'd come and they'd smoke outside the church and, and they all had cell phones and everything. And, and, and I'm just like, guys, I mean, you can't blame non-saved people for acting like non-saved people, but they get upset. And, and I'd have to remind my workers, I said, guys, listen, we're not in the feeding people business. We're in the gospel giving business, and this food pantry is nothing more than a tool that we use to give the gospel. It's a tool for evangelism. Listen, in Madagascar, we may use tools like feeding centers. I don't know. We may use that. We may use tools like orphanages or, or Bible colleges, but our primary purpose for going to this island and, and preaching the gospel is, is to make disciples. Many times you ask a church in our culture, well, what are you guys known for? Some, they say, well, we're... We're big into politics. Others might say, well, well we're big into uh, civil rights. Some, some go, well, we're, we're here to help the sick and to, uh, to, to feed the, the, the poor. These are all good things, am I right? I mean, <clears throat> listen, if there's one thing this world needs, it's social betterment. But dear friends, I want to tell you something. Without evangelism, social betterment, whether it be in this country or anywhere else, it may come for a while, but eventually you end up right back where you started. But when evangelism comes first, church, it's plain and simple. Social betterment will only last as when it's a byproduct of evangelism. Now in our passage today, we see a Paul addressing some issues affecting the church in Corinth. Since his departure, one or more people have infiltrated the church with their own agenda and it's believed that these particular people uh, were legalistic Judaizers. 
uh, they not only wanted to cast doubt on Paul's apostolic qualifications, but they were attempting to steer the church in a, in a different direction. Instead of the, the freedom that the gospel gives us, uh, these false apostles were attempting to, to bring the church back under the, the, the bondage of the law. So Paul, never afraid of confrontation, he, he lays it all out in chapter 3. And, and we see in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, Paul says it's, it's not the, the law that brings salvation. The law shows us our need for a Savior, but is the sacrifice of Jesus that actually frees us from our sins. And that's where we come to, uh, come to verse uh, 1 in chapter 4. Listen to what Paul writes here. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we, re we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love this reminder here in, in verses 5 and 6. Again, it's, it's Christ that brings people to salvation. We, my friends, are merely the tools that He chooses to use to do so. And as the church... That is what we should be doing. That is what we do. When we as a church, when we fail to shine through evangelism, when we fail to shine that light of the gospel through evangelism, what happens? Well, the church flounders. It withers and eventually it will die. But when the church shines the light of evangelism, listen to me, the world is literally turned upside down. And so this morning, I want us to see what happens when a church will do what it's supposed to do and shine through evangelism. And the first thing I want to point out, the first thing that happens when a church shines through evangelism, it impacts individuals. Phil Long stands here before you today because I was an individual impacted through evangelism. Now, I don't want to assume that everyone here this morning knows what I'm talking about, so let me just add here, there is a reason for evangelism. In other words, there's a reason for going out and sharing Jesus Christ with, with others. And the first reason that the church is to shine uh, through evangelism because there's a great need. And I'm not just talking about hunger. I'm not just talking about thirst. I'm talking about a, a spiritual need. Some of you not, may, may not be aware of this, but all people are separated from God because of sin. Matter of fact, turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, if you would. Paul explains in the 12th uh, verse of Romans chapter 5, through one man sin entered the world. Now that man was Adam, the first man in the human race, and Paul continues to write, through uh, one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. Listen, all means all. That means me, the pastor, the missionary. That means uh, your, uh, your full-time staff here. It means everyone. All means all. The other reason the church is to shine through evangelism is because as the church, 
actually have the answer to this sin problem. What does Paul say in Romans 6.23? For the wages or punishment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, read with me, if you will, what Paul says there in chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. Listen to this. Verse 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall uh, be saved from the wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Jesus Christ, by whom we have now been, we have now received an atonement. Family members, can I just say that sin is a disease that leads not just to physical death, but spiritual death. But we have the cure. And that cure is Jesus Christ. We have the cure. But what are we supposed to do with that cure? We'll flip over to Romans chapter 10 and we'll see. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 12 through 15. Verse 12 says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings and good things. People see that word preacher and they automatically think what? They think, well, that's the pastor. That's the missionary. Listen, that's, they, they think, well, that's not me. This passage isn't just for those uh, in full-time vocational ministry. No, a preacher is someone who can communicate the gospel. That is the purpose of each and every one of us as the church, our purpose as followers of Christ. And listen, when we shine through evangelism, we have an, a, a, a positive impact that extends beyond this time and throughout all eternity. And you know what? That impact, it starts with individuals. Now, some of you have heard my testimony about how I spent time in the Marine Corps, and I'll never forget, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, we were involved in this church called Capital Baptist Church just outside of Washington, D.C., where I was stationed. And I got involved with the youth there, and I will never forget my first experience teaching these kids. Now, I knew that God had called me to be a preacher, and I knew that when my time in the Marine Corps was up, I was going to return to Baptist Bible College, and I was going to I was going to uh, go to school so I could learn how to, how to be in ministry. And so uh, I knew this is what God called me to do. So they, they said, Phil, we want you to teach the junior high boys. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I went into this class thinking, uh, I'm going to really impress these boys. Our pastor, what he had done is he said, we're as a whole church in our Sunday schools, we're going we're gonna to do a, a series on the apostles. And the first apostle was Peter, perfect. That's exactly who I want to be like, Peter. Man, Peter led people to the Lord by the thousands. So I'm telling you, I walked in there. Phil Long, United States Marine, I'm going, to, I'm going to impress these boys with all the study that I did this past week. And I'm going to tell you, that those junior high boys ate this United States Marine up and spit him out like he was nothing. 
I'm going to tell you right now, I was so mad, I had to tell Valadon. I said, you're going to have to take me home. I can't even sit in service today. I'm so upset. They treated me like garbage. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, I went home. I wanted to reach, I want to be like Peter. I want to reach people by the thousands. But as I studied that week, the next apostle we were on was Andrew. And you know what? Andrew led people to the Lord one by one. He was actually, his, his nickname was Andrew the Introducer. And, and you know, uh, uh, as I studied, the Lord told me, he said, he said, Phil, before I would ever trust you to reach people by the thousands, you have to be willing to reach people one by one. You know, at the end of the day, Peter led people to the Lord by the thousands, but do you realize if you read this book, it was Andrew who led Peter to Christ. You've got to be willing to reach people in that impact. It, it, it starts with individuals. You know, throughout Scripture, we find passages where big, large groups of people are impacted with the gospel through evangelism. However, what we tend to see more of is when people shine that light of the gospel, it impacts people one by one. One of my favorite passages, I, I talked about it a little bit yesterday at, at, at our banquet thing. Turn over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus, uh, this is a, a perfect example of someone who is, who is, is impacted as an individual. Uh, Jesus finds this outcast woman who nobody wants, who nobody loves, and through a very short conversation, our Lord brings her to salvation. This is just one person that is impacted through evangelism. Let me name some others as you guys are turning there. Matthew, the tax collector. He wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Saul of Tarsus, he would become Paul. We read about him at the, at the beginning. Uh, there's a guy uh, that, known as the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, all great examples of of individuals who were impacted through evangelism. But here's the thing. In our culture, we as Americans, uh, we want to do everything to the extreme. And I'm the same way. I don't want to do anything halfway. To impact one person is fine and all, but uh, we feel like failures if we don't reach uh, crowds of people. Listen, when we impact one person through evangelism, when individuals are impacted, inevitably what we see happen from there is a church that will shine its light through evangelism not only impacts individuals, but we begin to see it impacting communities. Every one of the individuals impacted in the New Testament went on to impact others uh, through evangelism. Uh, Paul's writings were, were written to churches that, that he had a hand in planting. History tells us that that guy that wrote the book of Matthew uh, not only impacted people through his account of the gospel, but he actually gave his life as a martyr uh, because of evangelism. Those individuals went on to impact others. Uh, if you're still in John chapter 4, let's see what happens when uh, Jesus impacts this single woman with the gospel. Read with me, if you will, verses, uh, verses 28 through 30. Uh, chapter 4, verse 28 says... Then the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? This woman, who nobody really wanted around, goes and brings an entire community to meet Jesus. Now skip down to verse 39 and, and catch this. Verse 39, 
And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Don't you just love being around brand new Christians? I'll never forget uh, a guy named Lance Corporal Samuels when I was in the Marine Corps. This guy was giant. He was intimidating. He was scary. I'll never forget one day, I walk into our little staging area, and this guy named Lance Corporal Samuels, this big guy, has got two of the guys in my platoon uh, uh, backed up into a corner. These guys look like they're scared to death, so I thought they probably said something to him that crossed the line, and he was, he was giving them a what for. But as I got closer, this is what he said. He says, guys, hey, if you died today, would you know where, where you would end up? And then all of a sudden, he, he got real scared because and and, and, they're like, um, no. And he goes, here, read this. And he handed him a track and ran off. I mean, <laughs> the, the, this is the thing. Uh, someone, the day before, a few days before this had happened, someone had impacted Samuels with evangelism. And you know what Samuels was, was, was trying to do? He was determined to impact his small Marine Corps community through evangelism. He wanted to have that impact. But here, let me ask you this question. We talked about his Marine Corps community. I want to know, where's your community at? I mean, some of you might say, well, uh, immediately, well, that's where I live. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, really nothing at all. But can I just point something out? Times that have really changed. I don't know how things are down here in Port Charlotte, uh, but uh, for some of you, where you live isn't really your community anymore. Now, as believers, it should be. We should be making an effort to get out and build relationships with our neighbors so we can give them the gospel. But just think about this. When I was a kid, you know, 30, 40 plus years ago, uh, we worked, we played, we lived in our community. But in today's world, where we live really isn't where we actually live. It's just where we sleep. The community we live in is where we work. The community we live in is where our kids play or where they go to school, or where they do sports. It's, it's time that we come to the realization that we live in a multi-community culture and it's our job to be the salt and light of all the communities we're a part of. Uh, listen, you know, I, I come from lost people. My, my family's not saved. And I have never asked. I've got a great preacher. I've, I was raised under some great preachers and I've never asked any of those preachers to come and tell my family about Jesus. I never asked any preachers when I was in the Marine Corps, I never asked my preacher, uh, Pastor Steve, to come and tell my platoon about Jesus. You know why? They don't know him. They know me. And it's my job to be the witness and, and be the, the salt and light in the communities I'm part of. In my city, uh, one of the communities that we try to impact is our local police department. Uh, you might say, well, that's not really a community. That's more of a vocation. And to that, I'd say, well, it, it is a community. And let me tell you, it's not easy for an outsider to get involved in a community like that. But I want to tell you something. With time and effort, we have seen lives changed. We have seen marriages change. We have impacted that community with the gospel. Another community we tried to get involved in is our our local public school system. I'm not just talking about the kids. Over, over four or five years, uh, we worked very hard to not only uh, gain entry into our schools with the kids, but also with the administration. And here's the, probably one of the things I'm most proud about as my ministry came to an end there at Abundant Life. Uh, we, 
my last year there, those schools said, would you send volunteers from your church to come and tutor our kids in math and reading? And then after I left, one of the principals approached the guy that took my place and said, hey, one of our teachers was reading some book about prayer. And in this book, it talked about how grades went up, that the church was praying over the school, grades went up, behavior problems went down. Would you guys come pray over our school once a month? Listen, when, when we shine the light of evangelism, it impacts individuals, and when individuals are impacted, we begin to see communities change because communities are impacted. And when the light of evangelism impacts a community, you know what else we get, begin to see change? We see a church that will shine its light uh, through evangelism. It will impact an entire nation. Can I just say the reason we're still talking about this man called Jesus is because one person after another was impacted with the gospel. One community after another was impacted for Jesus. And when people are changed, communities change. And when a community changes, so does a nation. And I personally, I believe it's quite obvious that the closer this world gets to the second coming of Christ, the further away we as a nation will walk away from Him. And the reason I believe that is, church family, it's obvious, too many churches in our country today have departed from their primary purpose. Some churches have compromised doctrinally, allowing modern culture to dictate where and what they stand on. Some churches, they, they honestly, they, they love the Lord, but evangelism has taken a backseat to all the other activities they do. Guys, for almost seven years, I led and, and, and worked in, in some great ministries. At our, at our church back home, we have a great children's ministry, great youth ministry. I, I mentioned earlier our, our outreaches to our local first responders in our public schools. Every year, we would host this big, giant kids' carnival where everything was free, the rides, the food, everything. Uh, before I left, uh, we developed a, a thing I called First Impressions, so that way we could get first-time guests uh, out from the parking lot into a seat uh, without any problems. Almost every day on our campus there at Abundant Life, uh, there is uh, one Bible study or another. Listen, these things are all great. They're good things. But my friends, these things are not who we are. It's not our purpose to put on a carnival every year. These things are merely tools in our belt to help the church accomplish its primary task of evangelizing the world. So many churches today have lost sight of that, and as a result, they hold on to ministry. Some, they, maybe at one time they were great, but no longer bear any fruit. Why hold on to something that's not effective anymore? Listen, guys, I don't know everything. But one thing I'm very sure of is this. Our country's problems, our country's problems are not in the schoolhouse. Our country's problems are not in the White House, no matter who's sitting there. Our country's problems are in the church house. And we need to fix our church. We, listen, when individuals are impacted by evangelism, we begin to see communities impacted. And when communities are impacted, a nation is impacted. And when a nation is impacted, you know what happens from there? We begin to see the world impacted for Christ. I love what, 
what former missionary and author Don Richardson details in his book. Probably the two best missionary books I've ever read, The Lords of the Earth and The Peace Child. Talks about these missionaries sent to cannibalistic Papua New Guinea. It was hard. It was deadly work. Some missionaries actually lost their lives giving the gospel to those tribes. But listen to what happened. First one person, and then another, and before too long an entire community began to feel the impact of the gospel. I want to tell you something. While there's still a need in Papua New Guinea, it's come a long way. They're not eating people anymore. Why? Because churches here and other places around this country shine the light of evangelism around the world all the way to Papua New Guinea, and hopefully one day they'll be doing the same. Church right now in China is growing like wildfire. Why? Because churches right here shine the light of evangelism in China uh, sending missionaries, sending Bibles into that country. One day, as your missionary, I hope to return right here and report that because you shine the light of evangelism by sending me and my family, I hope to be able to come right back here and tell you, listen, we had people saved. There's been churches planted. And the island of Madagascar has been impacted for Christ. Listen, Churches impact people they don't even know, people that they will never see with the gospel. And as a result, through the light of the gospel, they impact the entire world. You know, I finish with this by asking this question. What is the business of the church here in America? Church, it's, the church is in the business of evangelism. And it's my personal hope and prayer that each and every one of you have been impacted in your life with the gospel. And if that's the case, if you have been impacted for the cause of Christ, then I want to challenge you to go out and shine that light of evangelism on others. Because this is the thing, to even impact one could mean that you impact a community. And not just a community, but but maybe the nation. And not only the nation, possibly even the world. Pastor, if you would.